Brett Anderson. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday morning, January 16th, 2024. And away we go. Another day, and the the extended de facto winter break out of routine norm, lack of norm continues for at least one more day <laughs> uh, in my household, and I think a lot of households across the capital city this morning. As once again, no school with wind chills, uh, wind chills down there. Today, I don't know what we're at right now, but they, they were talking about oh, 28, 29, 30 below zero. Right now, we're at 12 below, which is actually colder than they even forecast we were going to be at this time of morning. So That feels like it's 29 below. 29, so about 12 below, 29 below, 30 Oof. below. And uh, that is at least part of the reason that they did decide to make the call on a lot of schools in the area once again Today, I believe that is snow day number four. Should for, be four. Uh, four. So we had the 8th, the 9th, the 12th, and now the 16th. And I I think we're good, although I don't know some of the stuff I'm seeing about Thursday into Friday. We'll see. We will see. But I, I did I did actually get a, uh, got a little help on some research. I've got a lot of the details on when... Uh, kind of when school has been canceled in the past. Generally, when you're talking about wind chills of 30 below or lower, it's uh, it's usually even if even if snow isn't a factor, that's almost always been a cancel over the last decade plus. Mm-hmm. That's almost there's one exception uh, that the research found that on February 9th, 2021. There was no snow on the ground, or there was uh, no new snow. Uh, there was a lot of snow on the ground from from the storm that had happened a few weeks ago. Uh, but that was a 30 below wind chill on February 9th, 2021. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I don't remember it at all. Uh, but uh, there was a 30 below wind chill that morning, but school was on uh, at that point. Other than that, if you get... Well, was that my, my curiosity around that one? is how much snow or ice was on the roads at that time was it just cold or had had they gotten there, all the snow there was that still snow i have I actually have on this, okay. this spreadsheet that i uh that someone else made that there was there was about a foot of snow that was on the ground from about a week and a half before okay. Okay. that was that now that was that big 2021 snowstorm mm-hmm. that had happened in january uh of 2021 and this was early february 21 that that one that one they went forward with it, but but then all the other times that you're thirty below or really near thirty below. In fact, I see the day after Martin Luther King Jr. Day on January sixteenth, twenty eighteen, they did it for only eighteen below uh, wind chill that time. Uh, they did it for twenty twenty below twenty two. Excuse me, twenty two below on January of twenty fifteen. Did it for twenty two below in February of twenty fourteen. Uh, when there was a little bit of snow on the ground, but that wasn't about a new snow situation. And then I've got all the times. This is, a, is an interesting spreadsheet that I was able to 
get passed on to me. Somebody is very, very obsessed with the details <laughs> of, uh, of getting these. So I've got it. I've got now. I got precedent. So if you have any questions, I can. I think I can it can answer that. The lowest temperature that there, the lowest wind chill that we've ever had, uh, at least in this what fourteen year period of details that I've got uh, was in twenty twenty one. Uh, they can, this is again twenty twenty February twenty twenty one looked miserable uh, thirty five below on February fifteenth thirty seven below wind chill Ooh. on February sixteenth so even colder than where we're at right now and then December twenty second of last year that was the day when they got rid of the last days before Christmas break mm-hmm. that was a twenty uh, thirty seven below wind chill plus they got three inches of snow right that morning so and help me out because I, I was seeing different comments i get all my information from social media i just look for the comments and the replies does lps build in four or five snow days because so they build like, in five okay and, so they've got one more potential to burn and they it, you have to go back to 2009 2010 was the last time that they burned through more than five now that was an infamous winter that was the the Christmas that everyone was snowed in. People maybe remember that. Well, yeah, I remember that because that was my freshman year of college that I was back. Okay. And, and I was actually supposed to go back to Illinois two days earlier than I did. But I had to call I had to call my coach and say, Hey, this is kind of what you recruited. I'm literally stuck in the middle of Nebraska. We haven't had power for a day. Yeah. And we are using our wood-burning stove. I'm sleeping in front of it to keep our house warm. That he was, was like, where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> that was when there you had the three, you had three days off of school, December 7, 8, 9. Those would have been like the days after that year when Nebraska played Texas in the Big 12 championship and the one mm-hmm. second on the clock. It snowed a ton that day. And you, they, you got because of all the snow, seven, eight, nine. Uh, the, the, those December three days you got off, and then the three days coming back after Christmas break, January six, seven, and eight. I believe those would have been that. You had one because of snow, and then you had wind chills the next two days. So school didn't start until January 9th that year. They didn't have any more, but from from what I recall and what I'm told. Uh, that they added on, they added on extended time into the day in February of 2010. Okay. Yep, I, I've heard. So yeah. I think that's what they did. If somebody can correct me. I don't even remember. I mean, so I, instead of getting out of like three thirty, they in, got out at four. My type of thing. Yeah. You know what? I don't even think my son was in school. I don't think he. I think he started kindergarten that fall of ten. So that wouldn't have. I wouldn't have even had a kid in school. So somebody after him. Yeah, he would have been only me. like five. Yeah, four he, or five. my daughter was born, not even born yet at that point. So apparently they made up with some extended time in February ten. Maybe somebody who's got older students who, who's a teacher can remember how they did that. So they're at four now. So if they would get. Uh, one more that would put them in the limit, and they would get one more after that. Maybe they would have to look at doing something mm-hmm. like that. I don't, I, I, I don't think Friday is in play <laughs> again. But I don't know. Like I keep seeing little rumblings that maybe the Thursday afternoon evening snow could be mm-hmm. something a little bit more significant than we were originally thinking on this. Um, when I look at the hour by hour from the National Weather Service. They're just saying, an, well, they're saying an inch, so that wouldn't be anything that would cancel school. And then Friday morning, I mean, windshield, windshield Friday morning, twenty five below right now at eight a.m. Like that's not, oh. it's not all that different than where we're at right now. 
What did you say we're at right now? 29 below? 29, yeah. 29 below. I mean, at 7, I guess it's 6 a.m. right now. That's essentially what they've got at 6 a.m. on Friday for wind chill. Uh, so I don't know. Now, here's a question, Caleb. How much of this, how much of this decision has to do with the condition of the streets in addition That's what I was going to say to De- the wind chills. So depending on what all they can get done today and tomorrow, I think will have the biggest impact on Friday. Yeah. Obviously a little bit Thursday, but there's a the potential for a little snow Thursday, but it's today and tomorrow. Like those are your heavy work days. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that could be one difference is just that the streets will hopefully mainly the arterial streets. I don't think the residential streets are going to have a a, a big change from where they're at right now. I don't don't really think so. But maybe that is enough of a change that even if you do have a similar wind chill situation on Friday, that that won't completely change it. But I don't know. I like. I mean, you can't say there's a zero. You can't say it's completely uh, completely rule out the possibility that Friday oh, is sure. an- another day. And I'm sorry, parents. Like I don't. It doesn't bother me that much. My life isn't quite as impacted by as a lot of yours is, but at least be aware. Uh, I don't. I think it's probably lower than fifty percent now, just because there's been so many, and because the streets will hopefully be better. But but there's still a chance. I, there's a possibility, especially if they the snow totals would add up a little bit more after that. Um, so th- this is interesting. Uh, Lincoln Transportation and Utilities put out some tweets yesterday. I have a feeling that they were getting a lot of people that were. Uh, contacting them about Mm -hmm. the condition of the streets right now. Uh, Here's what they said yesterday on Twitter about one in the afternoon. Winter operations crews will continue to focus on service requests that include plowing streets that may have been missed, trouble spots, and streets needing additional cleanup. Plow teams apply liquid brine pre-treatment on main streets ahead of storms and use granular salt pre-wet with brine during the storm and will continue to use these tools when temperatures rise. This will assist to debond snowpack and ice on treats. Uh, on streets, rock salt alone is ineffective below 15 degrees. The use of brine allows us to effectively treat streets down to around zero, depending on wind chills and time of day. Research and experience shows that sand is effective for three vehicle passes. So they're saying that they don't do sand because the research says sand doesn't work. Mm-hmm. They're saying that they will use rock salt and they will use brine uh, or salt pre-wet with brine uh, when the temperature goes up a little bit. So at the minimum, so if you're below zero, they're saying none of those materials are working. Mm-hmm. None of those materials are working if you're below zero or right at about zero. Of course, we've not been um, at or significantly above zero for a long time uh, here at this point. For for I mean, we did get to, what, two yesterday. Now, today, scheduled forecast high, eight. So, although wind chill yeah. wind chill's still not going to get over, over zero, today you're still going to be eight below. So I don't know if eight with eight below wind chill is enough for the brine to work at mm-hmm. this point, if it is or isn't, uh, if you'll start to see that. But, again... Go to this yesterday, and and I, LTU knows it. We know it. Anybody who's been out knows it. You've just got that bonded, packed down snow and ice mm-hmm. on so many, so many streets. Everywhere, it's a hundred percent of the residential areas. Obviously, that's right. But even even significant 
well-traveled streets in Lincoln have that. Still, a lot of yeah. them you're starting to see the tire tracks where you could, you're you're okay most of the way, but there's still a bunch of areas where you're still rolling on. This morning, people are going to be rolling on an ice rink, essentially, on that. And until today, maybe the day for that. If not, your forecast high on Wednesday is 21. So in theory, Wednesday is the day that you can use all of the materials, and they should have some efficacy. Yeah. According to what LTU is saying. Uh, so, quick shout out to the group of guys. There's about five, six guys that got an ambulance unstuck at 70th and O yesterday. Wow. So, it looked like it, it wanted to, the vehicle wanted to turn south onto 70th from O Street and in the right lane had stopped but then slid up into the snow. Yep. Bunch of dudes get out. They've got shovels. I'm I'm out in the road, uh, kind of across from them. So I was like, eh, I can't really do anything. Also, my child is in the car, and I'm not just going to leave her in here. But I watched these guys, and they tried over and over and over again, and got it all pushed out. And then when that ambulance was going around the corner, kind of just went sliding a little bit, and I was like, Oh my god, they're going to roll the ambulance immediately after they got it uh, got it unstuck. But you're you're seeing a lot of that, and and when you have these types of conditions, everyone starts thinking back. They're like, oh, well, I had stuff like this before, or or this. it was worse when I did this growing up. Can you help the KLIN audience out with a conversation that I saw happening for you yesterday where when we're reminiscing about cold temperatures or our own experiences, especially since you brought up the Big 12 championship game, Things in the past aren't always necessarily as bad as what we're remembering. <laughs> okay. For you, especially when you're talking about oh. going to Arrowhead. Oh, that's right. I didn't know where you were going with this. Uh, yeah, uh, we. It's, it's funny. Sometimes you remember things in the past worse than they are. I was on uh, our sister station, 1620 The Zone, yesterday. I do an interview on there weekly with John Bishop and, and Josh Peterson. And we got to talking about the 2006 Big 12 championship game in Kansas City because there was obviously cold weather football this weekend. The game at Arrowhead was freezing cold. And I was sitting there watching that game. My and kids, Buffalo didn't look fun my yesterday. My kids were there. It looked miserable there. And I said to my kids, I was like, you know, I was at a game almost just like this in Arrowhead had in 2006. It was, And I'm sure there are people listening right now that are like, yeah, me too. I was there. It was the coldest ever football game I've ever been at by far. And so I, I was telling my kids about that. And so I bringing that up to Josh and John on the show and and Josh Googles it during the show and he's he's like do you know it was do you know it was 30 degrees at kickoff at that game I was like that can't be right 30 degrees somebody then found I was like that can't be right it was people I was like people were people had their like beers freezing in their hands during that game like everything that was so cold we had like we had like those hand heaters that wouldn't warm up. Like I remember all of these things, and so did everyone that I've talked to about it. Mm-hmm. Somebody went and found a screen grab from right before kickoff of that game, and it showed uh, it showed the current conditions, and it said, I believe it said, Caleb, twenty eight degrees, wind five miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> like like there wasn't a whole lot of wind at all. 
And and we're like, okay, if it were if it were tomorrow, if the forecast was coming out tomorrow and it was twenty eight degrees and wind at five miles an hour, it'd be a cargo shorts watch oh, at this point. Shorts and hoodie, baby. It'd be short. Yet like, somehow, no, without even a question, but like everyone who's been to that game swears there's no way that was right that it, that it was like ten below during that game. That's what I remember too, and apparently we remember it completely, completely wrong. So whereas the I conditions guess, Saturday night in Kansas City. Where that they were, I don't know what the temperature was for that game. Probably five below for yeah. that game. Yeah, so they, it, it, it was, was probably it was below it was probably zero. Probably legit thirty degrees warmer at the game. That I was at. <laughs> <laughs> Yet I was like saying, well, it was a one to one comparison to my kids. That's why it's always the fun thing. Well, back in my day, well, I don't know how accurate that is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, other thing, other thing I want to uh, touch on here this morning because it was significant overnight news in the capital city. Uh, it's even touched on it, but home explosion in Northeast Lincoln. Oh man, dealing with that in these overnight hours, freezing cold temperatures. Um, man, had to be had to be very difficult. And one person taken to the hospital from the scene with critical injuries. This is 53rd and Gladstone Street. Just about one in the morning. Sounds like from a gas leak, from an ignition source at that point, but the investigation is still going. They're going to shut down 53rd Street. I don't know if it's still closed right now, but it was closed throughout the overnight hours as well as they're cleaning up, checking other structures for damage. Um, and so they had to make a two alarm because, you know, of course, dealing with the frigid temperatures mm-hmm. in this, you needed probably probably more help in this situation. So um, home in Northeast Lincoln exploded last night. If you look at some of the pictures, it's um, uh, obviously something that is incredible damage that was done because of that. So you can check those out as well. So that's what we've got in the news here this morning. Coming up on the show, it's Tuesday morning. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, get into what's happening with the legislature and beyond. Uh, our schedule will be joined by Jason Ball today at 810. We've got John Baylor at 835. We'll have your morning drive. We'll have your sound off. We'll get you all ready for your Tuesday morning, January 16th, 2024. You are listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Fred Anderson. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right, welcome back. Glad to have you with us. Hey, we made a decision. Made a decision. 
on request line Friday for this week. We're going. We're going to a. Uh, we're going to another theme. We did uh, general last week because last night the Emmys went down. I don't know whether you watched them or not. I caught I caught a little bit of it, not necessarily because I wanted to, but because my daughter and my wife were watching them. Yeah, my I flipped away as soon as it was like, yeah, this football game's not really good. It's pretty much as soon as Trey Palmer scored, I was like, well, that was pretty neat. And now I will uh, will all turn the TV off. See, I did the opposite when my daughter and and wife were still awake watching the Emmys. I. I had the football game on a tablet, and then they went upstairs, and I turned the Emmys off, and I went on the big TV <laughs> with the football, uh, which, by the way, actually, I'm not usually in the business of handing out kudos to award shows these days, but they set up, like, recreations with the sets and casts of old shows. Did you see any of that? Yeah. So I saw they did Martin, and they did Cheers. They did the Arsenio Halls show that I saw. I believe I didn't see it, but I think they did Sopranos, too. They did Grey's. They did Grey's Anatomy. Um, they did American Horror Story, kind of Twilight Zone. Okay. Talk, talked about that stuff. They had the, the cast from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, they were and just as, out to present. Well, yeah. and as they went up there, they said, why don't we, where's the pub? Yeah, they, every, Everyone else got something. We've been on for 17 years. Yeah, that was pretty funny when they did that. So that was actually, honestly, that was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It was in in honor of Emmy's week, which Emmy's were actually delayed because they had the writer strike. strike. It was we're supposed gonna, to be back. In I'm going to have a clip on this here in, here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, big winners last night, uh, Bear and Succession were your big Emmy winners last night. Beef was very successful. Beef also. as well, which by the way, a, a rare a rare thing that I can say that I've actually watched. I watched that. Mm-hmm. I, see, I saw that whole thing. I'm very proud of myself. Normally, I have no reference for any of these things because I haven't watched any of them, or I don't have the streaming service that I actually need for this. I, I do have one gripe. There was a giant snub. What's that? How did Daniel Radcliffe not win for, for Weird Al? For Weird Al? I still haven't seen How that. But was he really nominated? He? Yeah. No kidding. He, he, he was nominated. It was, it was great. Um... Yeah. So anyway, long story long, short story long. Uh, we were going to do in honor of of the Emmys and uh, sitting at home and watching TV while we're snowed in. We are going to do TV songs. Okay. Uh, and so, what can this mean? It can mean a couple of things. If you want to do an actual TV theme that you love or want to hear, we can do that. So if it's favorite TV theme, or if it's a song. That is was was played in a TV episode that you can't forget, right? Or tied to a show or an episode or a famous TV moment or any of those things. Those all work too, and it really or like a soundtrack to the extent a TV show has a soundtrack. It really opens itself up if you think any TV from the early to mid two thousands, Smallville, One Tree Hill. <laughs> you you get songs that you're just like, oh, that's not a theme. That's just a regular song that they had on the right, show. Right. Yes. <laughs> so uh, th- that'll be that should be fun. L- look forward to uh, hearing what you've got in that. So whether again, I think one time we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with, I want to say TV themes. Yeah, we went themes. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, so I don't know if anybody really remembers this at this point. But but. Um, It'll be a little bit broader than that, but you can do the themes if you want to. Mm-hmm. Should be should be fun. Can so. we can we just guess Marks? Guess what Marks is? I don't yeah. know. Do you have an idea? Theme from a summer place. <laughs> is that a TV? Is that is that is that a TV? Where, where did that even come from? I, I know, know it. I know it. Like was hit the Billboard 
I know it hit the Billboard top forty and like knocked off like Creedence Clearwater Revival or something when it came out, but. I don't know. I don't know I, what that. I, I, I assume just, that's from a movie. I just feel like he would go ahead and just try to. Oh yeah, it is from a movie. It is. Yeah, from that's a what movie. I thought. That's from a movie. <laughs> uh, by the way, I I didn't see, I didn't hear or see any more information yesterday. And and tell me if you did and I missed it. But I didn't see or hear it in in the newscast or anything else. Nothing more on Skidloader guy. In no. the Home Depot parking lot? No, no nothing, nothing more. I, I saw I mean, a lot. I've heard some rumors, but I'm not getting into those. Yeah. I saw I a lot more videos yesterday. Different. The, the, I've seen, the main one I've seen is is people right under the, the awning there. Of no, the Home this Depot. one was further up the road to where there was a, there was a truck at, at, uh, at a stop, and the skid loader started to chase the truck. The truck just threw it in reverse, got the heck away from it. Really? Yeah. Huh. I have seen the video now, which I hadn't seen yesterday morning, inside of the still. That must be one from yeah. their cameras. Did you see that? Where he just goes up, just hits out the whole front end. Yeah, which if those yellow, you you always see those like those yellow big posts that are out in front of places that like appear to keep cars from really plowing into the, the stores themselves, which it feels like you probably need in Lincoln. I think those prevented a whole lot worse damage on that because he could only get the bucket in front of those to knock those into it mm-hmm. but couldn't necessarily drive the thing even further in and do even more damage in that thing there's a dude if you watch that video if you find that video of inside the still there's a guy there with like waiting to buy a six pack of beer and he's got it in his hand waiting in line over there at the still like you'll see and he just kind of stands there he doesn't really react he's all that like, much ah he's like oh okay like i wonder if he ever got to buy his beer but uh, we got we got friends of the show there from uh, from the still. So we're they're back. In, they got it boarded up, and they are back in. They are back in business too. But that's got to be a huge pain, given what the weather situation is, and getting all of that done. So glad that they uh, glad that they're back in business, and hopefully they've got some insurance that is going to help a lot with those those windows. So shout out to everybody there. But I was just wondering if we had anything more. Again, like I said. A, no, no, no new information. Some, heard some theories, but we'll wait and see what the police actually say in terms of more confirmation on what exactly happened in that situation. All right. Uh, so yesterday, Caleb, Iowa caucuses. A uh, lot of talk about what the turnout would be given the weather and given that the Emmys were on last night. Iowa loves its Emmys. <laughs> Big and, Emmy state. And the football game, to be honest. And uh, you had the, the Bucks and the Eagles playing at the same time. Uh, turnout, uh, n- not huge. Not huge by any means. But, but it was still kind of as expected, at least at the top of the results. Donald Trump wins going away. Donald Trump won the Iowa caucuses. For many people, that was not a big surprise, but those eyes were closely watching that race for second place. We know Governor Ron DeSantis hit all 99 counties, put in a lot of money and a lot of time there, and so did Nikki Haley, but Ron DeSantis came out on top. And former South Carolina governor there, Nikki Haley, coming in third place in Iowa with 99% of Iowa precincts reporting. DeSantis edging out Haley, sitting at 21.2%, Haley at 19.1%. And Vivek Ramaswamy announced he will suspend his campaign after finishing in fourth place, saying, hey, I don't see a path to this nomination, and I'll throw my full support behind Donald Trump. All right. Well, there wasn't really a path before, but glad <laughs> Iowa could confirm that. So then there were uh, then there were three. 
three. I don't know. There might be more officially, but there are only three who are really registering in terms of in terms of the numbers. Uh, and that would be DeSantis, Haley, and Trump. And they moved to New Hampshire next. New Hampshire will be a week from today. Yeah, on the twenty third. Well, even if there are more than three, those three got what ninety six percent. Yes, but between the three of them, yep, fifty one percent of those go, of that going to Trump. Uh, I wonder how much. I, I haven't been paying on it all. You know, straight scouts on her here. I haven't been paying a ton of ton of real close attention to this. I. I guess I expected Haley to get second in this thing, uh, for for whatever reason. It mm-hmm. felt like she had the momentum, so I don't know how much of a hit that is to her. I, I saw a lot of ads about Haley watching uh, football on oh. Sunday. I saw them oh, pro or anti, both. Okay, I yeah. saw I saw a little. When I pro, was in Iowa but, New Year's, I saw mostly anti. Yeah, I saw a little pro, but it was easily two to one anti, easily right. two to one. So New Hampshire's on the twenty third, and then you have until the third, which it sounds. I don't think DeSantis thinks they're going to do it very well in New Hampshire for wherever. I think that one sounds like Haley is probably going to maybe get second based on some of the polling, but who knows? And then South Carolina is next, and that of course is Nikki Haley. That's her state. State. So, like, she really had a chance by getting second in Iowa. It sounds like to really solidify herself as the likely kind of number two in this Uh in this whole thing when it becomes a binary choice which it eventually you would think will and we'll see if there's any chance for that number two uh because i guess in the end you know trump did win by record margins but it's it's a little over 50 percent in iowa yeah so maybe if there were a binary choice one or the other that it gets closer to 50 50 but honestly it's hard to even imagine Mm -hmm. that happening well now you get south carolina february 3rd that's on a saturday and then the sixth and the eighth uh are are nevada and i guess the virgin islands as well so a lot of people watching that virgin islands uh gop primary hey hey, it's a good predictor they're they're kingmakers out there uh and then and then meanwhile with with the these elections going on, and there's one, two, three, four, five of them in February, in addition to the one more in January. Obviously, the schedule gets crazy with all the campaigning, uh, but Trump's schedule is also incredibly crazy with civil and criminal judicial matters going on as well. The former president could face not one, but as many as four criminal trials this year, sprinkle in a few campaign events and a run for the White House, and it's going to be a hectic year for Trump, to say the least. Now, Tuesday morning, it's the beginning of the defamation trial involving writer E. Jean Carroll. A judge recently ruled that Trump could testify. From that point on, primary elections. You got New Hampshire next week, followed by Nevada on February 6th, South Carolina on the 24th, and Michigan a few days later. But March, that is where things could get a little tricky for Trump. On March 4th, that's when Trump's federal January 6th election case could start. Yeah, so bouncing around between uh, court dates and, and primary campaigning. And by the way, he, uh, he pointed out there uh, that I made a mistake. South Carolina is, I said South Carolina was the next one after New Hampshire. Well, it is, but only for Democrats. South Carolina moved up their Democratic primary uh, to the third. The Republican primary is on three weeks later on the 24th. Why do we do So they this? split those up because the, the Democrats wanted to change the order and the Republicans didn't to give South Carolina more influence. Uh, I think that it was a state that had a different level of diversity than Iowa and New Hampshire, I think most likely is is what was behind that. And so they split those up. So February, whatever the order is, just do them at the same so time. So February will be South Carolina. Well, it's the parties that do it. No, 
know, I, I know that like they, yeah. they they're doing it themselves. Right. It would be like the 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 Big Ten and the Big Twelve having to line right. up every single well, part of their schedule. Even the Nevada one, the Democrats are the sixth and the Republicans are the eighth of February. So it's two days yeah. apart. Uh, but the states that are going in February after New Hampshire are uh, Nevada, Virgin Islands, South Carolina, and then Michigan on the uh, on the twenty seventh, and then March fifth is super tuesday and that's where you got a whole like 16 states that are that are going to go there all right other things that are going on this morning i mean i don't know i don't don't mean to be alarmist this morning but this seems like news that we probably should be aware of uh some german documents uncovered that show some pretty extensive planning caleb for if the um i don't know i don't know how to put this calmly but if a european theater and world war three gets started over the next two years essentially based on what's happening with russia and ukraine and uh what the plans are and what the concerns are about that whole thing take a listen a german newspaper published the documents outlining how germany plans to prepare for an offensive by russian president putin the paper based its claims on info obtained from the german ministry of defense and said armed forces are preparing for an attack on eastern europe which could include a cyber offensive Putin would also reportedly have troops attack Ukrainian forces in a spring offensive. The report also said that Russia could use the U.S. presidential election as opportunity to disperse more propaganda. The document said NATO would take measures for credible deterrence by May of 2025 in response to the buildup of Russian troops. Putin continues to deny he would escalate the conflict with Ukraine beyond the country's borders. Ted Lindner, Fox News. All right, well, that's comforting. Uh, so, so it's mostly just that they have a plan in place, just in case, right? Right. That they, yeah, that in case things extend out in court uh, into twenty twenty right. twenty twenty five, essentially in the Eastern European theater, so to speak. I that that part doesn't really surprise me because I think most of these days, yeah, everybody's but, but, got that. I'm but sure. but the, the the surprising part is that it got published. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Other th- so we've we've heard all these stories, Caleb, in Nebraska uh, about uh, foreign nationals buying farmland, right? Mm-hmm. And what significant f- owners they are. It's not just the case in Nebraska; it's happening all over the United States. And sometimes they're using loopholes to prevent details of that actually getting out. And it's kind of crazy just how much of it that uh, that you got some foreign nationals, especially from China, that own right now around the United States. And what are they going to do with this exactly? Recently, it was discovered that Chen Tianxiao, so he's a Chinese billionaire member of the CCP, he purchased 198,000 acres in Oregon. This was back in 2015, though. And it's curious because the purchase doesn't appear in any governmental records like it should. The law requires foreign investors to report any new purchase to the U.S. Department of Agriculture within 90 days. Days. However, legal experts tell us that there are certain loopholes that enable foreigners to avoid that reporting. And in fact, the USDA shares its record of Chinese investment in the U.S. quote should be interpreted as a minimum. What we do know is foreign farm ownership has steadily increased. It was up 8% in 2022 alone. And there's a big concern from lawmakers that the Chinese will use these holdings to either spy on us or compromise our food security. Oh, super. Hmm. So... Farmland that's uh, bought right in the country itself, used for impacting food security or or spying. Right, because if they, especially here in Nebraska, think about how much land is almost constantly for sale. 
not always the land that you want, right. but, but there, there is a lot of land for sale in, in the state of Nebraska, ranch land or farmland or commercial development. There's a lot that can be taken there, and all of a sudden you say those acres are no longer u- being used for agriculture. They're, they're, they're no longer supplying something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that in itself hurts. Yeah. So uh, something to, to keep an eye on and maybe a little bit more explanation on exactly what's happening and how it is sometimes getting shielded from the public's knowledge as mm-hmm. well. Did, in the, I can't remember if we had this on a sound off clip before, but I remember seeing one of the, the bigger purchasers of land in Nebraska is actually uh, like the Mormon church. Yeah, that was one we had too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's a that's a totally different deal, right? It's not uh, not, not foreign nationals. Yeah, but. it sounds preferable than you know the members of the CCP, right? I guess, but that's another whole deal too. And why why all these people are really jumping on this land ownership situation here, mm-hmm. especially in ag areas? Yeah, throw a little my way. Uh, all right. Last but not least, we talked earlier about the uh, Emmys, but let's get a full wrap up on uh, the winners of the night last night. The 75th annual Emmy Awards were celebrated on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Anthony Anderson hosted a show that was heavy on nostalgia with reunions from the cast of The Sopranos, All in the Family, Grey's Anatomy, and more. Succession and FX's The Bear were the big winners, both getting six awards piece. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler presented the award for Outstanding variety special category with a send-up of Weekend Update. Polar noting the impending EGOT winner in Elton John. Now, I can't speak for Elton, but EGOT to be excited about that. That clip courtesy of the Television Academy and Fox. Both the final seasons of Ted Lasso and Better Call Saul were shut out. Michelle Polino, Fox News. You also had during that, because that one was for uh, the best musical performances and those types of things, uh, when Amy Poehler was up there with Tina, Tina Fey, I don't know if you saw this yeah. clip for it, but she said, it's a, uh, for the Tonys, they're celebrating musicals that are sometimes based on movies that'll probably get remade into movies anyway, and Tina Fey leans over. That's just fine. Nothing wrong with <laughs> yeah, that, I saw that. Because they have Mean Girls out right now. Uh, Elton John joins Richard Rogers, Helen Hayes, Rita Moreno, John Giglud, I don't know who that is, Audrey Hepburn, Marvin Hamlish, Jonathan Tunick, Mel Brooks, Mike Nichols, Whoopi Goldberg, Scott Rudin, Robert Lloyd Lopez, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice. John Legend, Alan Menken, Jennifer Hudson, Viola Davis as EGOT winners. Mm-hmm. The only ones who have done that. All right, 656, we will take a break. It is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on Lincoln Season Talk 1499 KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499 KLIN. Eight below zero outside right now. Wind chill at the moment, 23 below. It's going to get colder over the next two hours, too. Yeah. Temperature probably down around 10 below. Wind chill closer to 30 below by the time we get the uh, sun come coming up. So, word of warning, it's cold out, but you knew that. All right, coming up during the 7 o'clock hour, right after this, after news, we'll talk to Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, talk about the latest Nebraska news politics, what's going on this Unicam session. That's coming up at 7.10. We will count down the five things you're going to be talking about today at 7.35, a little bit later in the show today. Jason Ball and John Baylor join us. 7 o'clock right now on KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back on your Tuesday morning, January 16, 2024. We've hit it 10 below. We are now there. Wind chill is... Uh, Windshield down a little bit to 25 below right now in the capital city. And uh, by the way, going to be nice. Uh, should tomorrow, tomorrow to, in uh, 21 degrees is your high. That's going to feel pretty fantastic. Uh, maybe a little bit of uh, getting that material down on the streets. Do a little melting here as well after we get through today. Uh, Joe Jordan joining me right now from News Channel Nebraska. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing this morning? I'm okay, Jack. How are you guys? Uh, that's good. That uh, we're doing, we're doing all right. Just uh, looking forward to looking forward to a little melting. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Even we're not even asking for much. Just a little melting, <laughs> a little sun, a little some temperatures uh, above zero, so those materials can work on the streets. I think is the the big thing here right now. Um, a lot to get to today. Let's start with the national story of the morning, uh, which I know you did some coverage on locally, which is the Iowa caucuses last night. Um, number one, I guess, how uh, the, the one of the big stories going into it was what was turnout going to be like, given, given that the weather was what it was in Iowa, much like we're seeing right here at this point. Um, how was it a surprise how low that it ended up being and, and how much do you think that was impactful of, of what the results ended up being? I think the results kind of were generally what you expected. So it probably didn't change much. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it was, a. I don't know specifically yet that it was a record low turnout, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's where we wind up when it's all said and done. Uh, it was just absolutely, you know, miserable. And, and, and you know, some, in Des Moines and some of the major cities, Dubuque, Council Bluffs, you know, people could probably get to the poll, get to their caucus relatively, uh, relatively uh, easily. But some of the rural communities had to be just really, really brutal. I mean, the roads are a mess. And uh, so I, I would think that's where the lower counts probably really took over. Uh, despite that, as you noted, the, the polls basically said going in it was going to be Trump right around 50 and then a battle for second between uh, Haley and DeSantis. Uh, some of the polls said that uh, Haley had was going to win, you know, finish second. Uh, she didn't have wound up in third. But Trump was, you know, he had 50. They both had the DeSantis comes in at 21. Haley comes in at 19. Uh, what does that mean going forward to New Hampshire? Because the, the, always, to me, the curious thing about the Iowa caucus is we spend, you know, the, the news media spends six to eight months on Iowa. Yeah. And then the, the moment it's over, 
What you're not, nobody talks about Iowa anymore. It's just <laughs> right to New Hampshire, and, and 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 New Hampshire has the same thing. They talk about that for several months, and then as soon as it's over, they go to North South Carolina. So yeah, but the but so uh, you know, DeSantis if he if and DeSantis probably was in in a way was was the uh, real winner last night because yeah. if he'd finished third, he was probably done. Even if he even if he'd finished third by you know half a point. Uh, if Haley would have somehow got over, you know, second place by whatever margin, if, then it would have been DeSantis finishes deep third, you know, and, and, and then his campaign was probably done last night. This way he goes to New Hampshire uh, and South Carolina probably. Uh, I do think there's a pretty good chance. I mean, I was thinking prior to yesterday that Haley might be able to pull off a win in New Hampshire, and not because she's loved by the Republicans, because if you, as you, I think you know, in New Hampshire, uh, some Democrats and a lot of independents can cross over and vote in the Republican primary. So people that don't like Trump that are independents and, and, and some Democrats, they could, you know, they could flip over there, vote against Trump just to vote against Trump. Uh, and they would probably, you know, they would probably go to Haley because she's been doing better She's, I think the last poll I saw, she was like eight or nine points behind Trump in in right. uh, New Hampshire. Closer. Um, yeah. The downside for for Haley now is that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, pulls out last night uh, and says he's and he says he's now endorsing Trump. Well, in Iowa, he had about eight percent of the vote. I'm not sure what his total is in New Hampshire. I'm guessing it's maybe similar. So if you give Trump another five or six points. Uh, Haley doesn't really gain that much going into New Hampshire. What she really needs, and I don't think she's going to get it, is an endorsement from Chris Christie. Uh, he pulled out uh, and said, you know, my no path for me, but you can't vote for Trump. Right. But he didn't endorse anybody. And it, right. there was a, I think there was a belief he might endorse Haley because she was the closest and whatever. I think Christie is maybe in like a, had 11 or 12 percent. 12 percent. He was in, in third place behind Trump yeah. and Haley. So if she got that, if she you never get them all, but if she got you know ten percent of you got ten percent, that would put her in a tight fight with with Trump. But again, now you know Vivek's voters are going to go to Trump. So uh, I still think it still looks like Trump's going to win New Hampshire. Now things can happen in a week. I don't know. I don't know what those things would be to be honest with you. Right. But uh, it, it looks like Trump wins New Hampshire, and if he wins New Hampshire, having won Iowa. I, you know, then Haley has to work. She has to win South Carolina, her her home state, yeah. two-term governor. But it's been a few years since that was the case, and Trump's kind of solidified South Carolina. So, I mean, there's really no indication that this isn't going anywhere except where we thought it was going for quite some time, which is Trump's going to be the nominee. Right. And, and he may be the nominee before, the, the, you know, before we even get to Super Tuesday at this point. So. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it, it, the 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 chance. It seemed like it was there. If if Haley really was a solid number two over Desantis, with New Hampshire coming up next for Desantis this week, and then obviously South Carolina coming up a few weeks later after that, which is Haley's home state. That I mean, it really put the clamps could have put the clamps down on the Desantis campaign, but it didn't happen there. So they've still got some some breathing room now, and probably if anything else, if nothing else. Joe, it kind of just delays how soon this becomes like a binary choice between well, Trump and number two. Yeah, and not just that. I mean, 
the people that are donating to these campaigns at some point, I mean, you know, when somebody says they suspend their campaign, uh, which means it's over, but mm-hmm. uh, for some reason they use the word suspend, uh, it's, 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 not, it's not because it's not, it's not because they wanted to. It's because there's no money left. You know, you can't campaign without any money. And so when, the, when your donors dry up and they realize you can't win, uh, and, and some of them just come out and tell you, hey, we're, you know, we're, we gave you this shot, you know, like, you know, and then we're done. So the campaign ends because there's no money. So right. at some point, you know, uh, DeSantis spent a lot of money. I outspent everybody in Iowa. So he, he, you know, he burned a lot of dollars over there that he, he doesn't have going forward. Um, and I would presume that, that the donors for, for Haley and DeSantis are telling them, you know, something's got to give real quick here or or we're done. So, yep. yep. So. Let's talk, uh, speaking of elections, let's stay on elections, but let's localize it a little bit. We've got a, uh, we got a candidate from U.S. Senate from uh, the side of the Democrats and uh, someone who has been uh, been a candidate before, I guess it was as a write-in candidate technically, but but Preston Love is going to be uh, be challenging Pete Ricketts. That's the Senate seat that he's going to be going for. Um, just kind of quick reaction, Joe. I know you've had some some coverage of Preston Love in the past. I know he was yeah. uh, he he stepped in as the writing candidate after kind of that disaster in in 2020. Uh, your thoughts on him stepping into the race? Well, my first thought is I never expected that we'd have two octogenarians on the ballot in November in, in Nebraska. But, <laughs> but, but he's because he, 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 and, he and Biden are both 81 years old. Yeah. Uh, so so you have that. Uh, I, I, I talked to him briefly the other day. Uh, he's giving his official announcement tomorrow and I'll see him then for sure. But I talked to him briefly the other day and he, he feels he's in he's in uh, good health physically, mentally uh, wants to do this. I really think he's doing this. He knows. I mean, he said to me, hey, Joe, look, I'm, I know I'm the underdog, so there's no question about that. I actually think he's doing this because he, is, he has spent the last several years trying to get the North Omaha community, in effect, blacks in Omaha, to get to the polls and to vote on a regular basis. He's, 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 and he's had some success. Sometimes the numbers out of, out of North Omaha rise on elections, and sometimes they drop. I actually think he's doing this in some respects, and this is speculation on my part because he hasn't confirmed this for me, but he did say he, he, he wants to highlight the black vote in November, and that's why he's running. So if that's the case, who's it for? Well, my guess is it's for, for, to help Biden win the second district mm. and the vote for Tony Vargas against Don Bacon. Interesting. Because when these races get that close, and in the Bacon race, we all know it's it's going to be, you know, a couple thousand, three thousand votes when it's all said and done. Any votes that, that come out of North Omaha uh, that didn't come two years ago and four years ago and what have you, those would be helpful votes for Tony Vargas. And uh, and, I, and I think they would also probably help, you know, Biden in that, that blue dot situation. So, I think that in the end is probably what Preston Love is trying to pull off here because there's not going to be the money. There's not going to, you know, I don't know how well he is known outside of the Omaha area. Wait, you don't think he'll take Scotts Bluff County? Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and, and it'll be curious to me to see how far he even travels to do some of that stuff. You know, will he go to all 90, you know, three counties? I mean, I don't know. Um, uh, But, you know, you know, the one thing I will give Jane Kleb credit. She said to me months ago, you will know the names. Well, we know the name. It's Preston Love. And as I said, I don't know how well his name is known outside of Omaha and Lincoln. Uh, but uh, there we have that. And the other side of this is 
there is no indication that the Democrats will not go along with um, uh, Dan Osborne, the independent, uh, running against Deb Fisher. I've, nobody's heard any other names. Okay. No other thoughts have surfaced. i got to believe they're going to make that decision to go with the independent, which will be like a first uh, that I'm aware of in the state, maybe in plenty of states where the Democratic Party can't have their own candidates, so they jump on the bandwagon of an independent. Uh, so that's, that's looking that's, very possible, that it's going to be him. Yeah, yeah I just, there's the just guy. no other By default. Are, you know. Yeah. And we were already into mid-January. Uh, I mean, at some point, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So I think that's where it's heading. I mean, I guess somebody could service the last minute, but I have no idea who that possibly would be. So it looks like it's going to be Osborne Fisher and Preston Love versus Ricketts. And uh, uh, is the is the Herbster talk over? Is that ship sailed? Or uh, where are we? Uh, on? It, I haven't it, heard anything. There hasn't been any Herbster talk lately. So yeah. maybe that ship has sailed. I mean, that's been extremely quiet. I don't see that. You know, is there going to be a, a challenge there? I don't know. Um, there is some speculation uh, that uh, Don Bacon might actually get a primary challenge. Uh, oh. A guy by the name of Dan Fry, who about 10 years ago or so uh, challenged uh, Lee Terry when Lee Terry was the incumbent Republican congressman. He challenged Terry in the primary. Didn't work out too well for him. Terry beat him. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, he's kind of a tea, old Tea Party guy, and um, he would probably... I could see it making it. I mean, there's a lot of Republicans that aren't really happy with Don Bacon. They, they, they think he's given too many, you know, Democratic votes, so to speak, infrastructure, uh, that whole thing. Um, so there's some there's some unrest with with Don Bacon and the Republican Party. I don't know that it's enough to unseat him in the primary, but I do think that that might that Dan Fry may take that step and. And that might make that primary – well, it'll certainly be more interesting than it is right now because right now it's just Don Bacon. So if Fry runs, I think that it could make a little bit of noise in that primary. All right. There you go. Uh, moving real quick to the uh, to the legislature. Um, we're going to be hearing shortly from the governor on, on the state of the state. I would expect either there or around there there will be maybe a more specific proposal that's put out on on property tax relief. There's been kind of some musings. He's had some surrogates say some things about it. Do you think we're going to get a kind of a specific plan here in the in the coming days related to what we've been talking about for a few weeks when it comes to sales tax exemptions, perhaps sales tax rates, uh, all and and potentially any other things that you could throw in there to help the situation. I don't know what it's going to be, but I got to believe it's going to be in the state of the state because he's got to tell the state senators, "Here's here's my plan," and mm-hmm. and uh, unless he unless he pro- proposes to have another, you know, a couple weeks go by, and he's going to have another speech just on the plan itself, which is not impossible. But I would think in the state of the state is when he would want to announce it. Um, I'm guessing that uh, they were that the administration was probably a bit surprised by the thud that they received on the sales tax talk. Uh, that just, I mean, that just didn't go over anywhere. And I think that may have been a bit of a surprise because then the governor had this news conference where he basically said, Hey, I'm on board with anything, anything that will work. Well, that's, you know, pretty generic. So I don't know what the plan is going to be, but I would think, I think the odds are we'll hear (coughs) some specifics during the state of the state address. Yeah. And, and that, uh, I don't know the exact date of that, but that's usually, uh, toward, toward the end of the month. It was on the 25th last year. So, uh, Thursday. It's on. It's on Thursday. Okay, it's a little earlier here than this. This uh, this year. So that is coming up. So maybe we know something uh, just here in a couple of days on that as well. And then, last but not least, um, you know, there's been some talk about rules 
that's kind of what we've always got this year to always talk about filibusters and secret balloting and everything this year. Uh, just what's your kind of assessment so far of, of what we've seen in terms of that? And is this looking like something that there's going to end up being extensive uh, fights on, big changes on, or something that we're going to kind of get through and move pretty quickly to the, the actual meat of the legislative schedule? I don't know. I think it's really up for grabs. It basically, from what I've been able to see, it boils down to whether or not uh, Senator Steve Erdman from Scott's Bluff, who is the chair of the Rules Committee, how hard he wants to push this. He favors a plan that would make it uh, more difficult to filibuster a, a, a bill. Uh, and whether or not he wants to go to the mat on that isn't clear just yet. Right now, is the legislature is going to meet today, and they're gonna, I think they're going to be talking about these rules. And I guess we may get some idea today uh, how far Urban wants to take this, because uh, it, I think it's kind of in his court if he wants to push this all the way and possibly take up you know a, a significant amount of time on this. Uh, I don't think it's going to replicate 2017 when they spend almost two months in a rules fight, uh, but uh, it could last longer than I think the speaker wants. The speaker, if you know, Speaker Archward gets his way, this this rules fight will be over. You know. You know, yesterday, yeah. done, yeah. and 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 on we go. I just don't know where that stands in terms of, and it probably depends on what Steve Erdman has found out from his, uh, you know, fellow uh, senators on how many are with him and how many aren't. How hard he, how hard he can, how hard he can push this thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, and then we'll get into the bills themselves now that they've been uh, introduced here and start having some substance to discuss. Uh, good to talk to you, Joe. Thank you for the insight. Appreciate it. Stay warm, and we'll check in there uh, next Tuesday, all right? Thanks, Jack. Take care. There you go. Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska 726. Take a break. Sports after this on KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Chris Lofgren. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive. Presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's count them down. Starting today with number five. Well, Lincoln Public Schools are closed. Again, this is the fourth time over the last couple of weeks. No, LPS has not reached its limit. But, Jack, you have an interesting spreadsheet on kind of past closings that LPS yeah, has gone I, through. I've uh, been able to get get some research that's been done here on when, when's, kind of what the thresholds have been. And they've changed a little bit over the last 15 years when it comes to closing. But when you're flirting with 30 below wind chills, 
It's almost it's almost always going to close LPS under their precedent, at least. There's only one exception that I can find where you hit 30 or close to 30 below, and they did not cancel school, and that would have been February 9th, 2021, where it was 30 below, but they did have school at that point, and you did have a foot of snow on the ground at that point, too, because you were just coming off of that huge... You remember that huge last time we had just a huge storm was that 2021 snowstorm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in late January, which uh, which uh, we remember that was kind of the last huge big snow that we had here in the capital city. So that's the that's kind of been the norm, Caleb. I think I, I, I think to some degree though the roads probably played into it too as well. It's just I mean, we're going to talk about that here in just a second a little bit more, but. It's it's still a little. It can be a little bit treacherous mm-hmm. in in some spots here with the with the packed down snow in a lot of places, even some main streets too. So I think the two of those probably were enough. Now, and we just had a text come in from OG Steven saying the snowpack is extremely slick right now. Yeah, it's, I'm not surprised whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not surprised whatsoever that that's the case. We're going to talk more about the streets here in just a second and what we've kind of heard from LTU on this. Listen, I don't want to. I don't want to alarm anyone. Uh, but I mean, Friday morning, you're going to be at this time of morning, right before eight o'clock. You right now, the National Weather Service is saying that'll be twenty eight, twenty nine below zero wind chill. Like that's basically where it is. That might be a little colder than we're at right now, and potential for moment. snow Thursday, and a little and snow. The, right now, that's looking pretty insignificant. Only mm-hmm. maybe about an inch uh-huh. as well Thursday afternoon. So I think an inch but, on its own is nothing, but an inch on what we currently maybe, have, maybe could, potentially impact. It could be, but if the I mean, if if there really is kind of a line at twenty nine thirty below zero, which there has been with one exception. Don't kill the messenger. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Be ready for now. On the other hand, I think there's probably at some point there's going to be a there's going to be a kind of a, a thought that is like at some point you really need to get kids back in school here at this point for a variety of reasons. And I don't know if they would do something different on Friday than they would do in a in a vacuum to try and get some to try and get kids back in school where. They might not otherwise. Um, I honestly don't know the answer to that. All I'm here is telling you is that's a number. If it if it ends up being what it said it would be, 20, 28, 29 below zero, where typically they would cancel mm-hmm. on for that for that damn Friday. Right. I'm not saying they're going to. I don't know what they're going to do. It's probably worth at least noting. The other thing worth worth at least noting as it pertains to LPS specifically, um, and and what I said pertains i think to a lot of the school districts around the area but lps specifically that would be if they did it on friday that would be their fifth fifth snow day they would have if they had to do more after that and you still have you know a couple months or a month and a half where that's possible um you would start having to build back some of that time they had to do that back in i think oh nine ten they had six of them, and I think they put minute. They kind of extended the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, yeah, you can you can get creative with it. I think that's what they ended up doing that year to try and catch up. And I think that was right before I had any kids in school. So uh, that's now here, here's that's my... just something to think about. And and, and, and like r- real quick before you get to that, like even even for me again, I only have one school age kid. She's thirteen now. She's pretty self sufficient. If school is canceled, all those things. It's just. The the complete lack of family routine 
that we have had <laughs> since literally since like December what twenty first, twenty second. Yeah, it's been it's almost been now been a month of complete lack of normal family routine. Um, in a variety of ways, some of it has been nice, some of it has been weird, some of it has been good, some of it has been you know unhealthy. <laughs> that I like you know I keep on my holiday eating schedule and I need to get off of that and all and those not doing the workouts I need to be doing and and those sorts of things. But it looks like maybe ne- maybe next week, starting on Monday, you can feel like okay, here we are. Mm-hmm. It is January twenty second. Legit one month from when Christmas break started or holiday break started, and this is the day it feels like we are really back to normal. Yeah, here, here's my question: if if you do get to Friday, whether or not they 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 would call it off Friday, but the the potential solution going forward, where is LPS at on remote learning? I know it's not as good; it's not as good of instruction. I know there there are a lot of things that you have to make sure are set up, and I also didn't like the number of places that last week when you started to get the snow days were like, oh, we're going to just do remote learning. Like, like, give the kids a snow day. But now you're getting to the point if it becomes just adding adding minutes or adding days, it, is there potential to just do a remote so. learning day instead? I don't think so. I don't think they have the infrastructure set up to do that. And it would just, if, you, if it's one or two days, they're just not, I think they would rather build it in. Yeah. I know other districts have done that. I think OPS does that. I think they called today a remote learning day. I just don't think they've got all of the, the all of the things that need to happen in place um, for, for the entire district to do that and do it effectively on a single day. So i i would do uh, I would be really surprised if they all of a sudden did something like that if they haven't so far. So well, before we get to the roads, Pine Lake Mike says I don't see how they have school the rest of the week. Roads are absolutely horrible. Yeah. It'll be a citywide demolition derby if they have that many right? people on the roads telling you i'm te- the, the only well let's move on here number four well yeah. we we got a couple of tweets that had come out yesterday from lincoln transportation and utilities explaining why materials aren't being used yet and a big part of that jack is just the cold some of the materials don't work below a certain temperature yeah, they, they uh, put out an explanation. They basically said, look, the time right now, and this was yesterday and I assume into today, are going to be used on service requests where streets need to be plowed that have been missed, trouble spots, additional cleanup, basically kind of finishing off the actual plowing, the, the Caleb, the pushing of snow, so mm-hmm. to speak, is how I understood it. They then went on to said, look, we do liquid liquid brine pre-treatment of main streets. We use granular salt pre-wet with brine during the storm. And we'll do that again, but not until temperatures rise. Because rock salt on its own, uh, according to LTU, is, that, is not going to be efficient below 15 degrees. They'd say if you use brine, you can treat it down to around zero. But that also depends on wind chills and time of day. Uh, they also then said said sand is basically, they essentially said sand is not effective. It works for about three vehicle passes. The experience is that that's just not been an effective solution, and so it would not be a, a smart way to use their time. So what they're saying is um, once you get over zero, uh, a decent amount maybe over zero, that you can start using the brine, you can start using the rock salt alone at 15 degrees. What does that mean? Well, Caleb, today, I mean, the forecast high today is 9. 
Um, will that be enough for them to be able to start applying brine to the snow that's bonded on? Because the problem, again, as our texters are saying, and I'm curious, keep texting us kind of what the, the conditions are out there. But the problem here is not that the streets weren't plowed. It's not that people are necessarily getting stuck. It's that you have got you have got packed down snow that is a white skating rink on every residential in the city and even some of the arterials. Now, a lot of the arterials, if you're out on O Street right now, I think that's, you know, at least the tire tracks, in, in if not most of the lanes, are pretty much cleared. That's just not the case everywhere, mm-hmm. though. That, that There's even places that are well-traveled. That's not the case. And you've got the white ice rink right. there. That is, that's the issue with this whole thing. And, and LTU did respond to some other tweets and said that they're expecting their crews out all day today working to debond snowpack and ice. That, that's exactly what they said on that. That's tweet what has to happen before. I mean, it was, it was, it was still really bad yesterday. And yeah. it sounds like the people are saying that the same thing this morning and you hope that's going to be a little better tomorrow Caleb you would think by Friday because Wednesday now Wednesday you've got a high of 21 okay Mm -hmm. so Wednesday you ought to be able to drop a bomb of materials (laughs) on this entire city right if you've got 21 degrees and finally get that bonded snow now do I think they're going to be able to get into a lot of residentials and do that probably not Probably not. But at the very least, O Street should be better than it is, right? O Street, and I think O Street is probably one of the better ones now. But again, like the one example I used yesterday, and it was still the case yesterday, even like A Street, Mm -hmm. right? Going down, going down past Pius and, and going toward Piedmont that, and I know there's just a lot of them, a lot of them like that right now. Well, O Street just had a a multiple car wreck yesterday, uh, right around five o'clock, really messed up. I, I know. A lot of commutes there. Uh, a couple of texts that have come in. Eric and Lincoln says roads around Roper Elementary in southwest Lincoln. All ice. Can't yeah. see the roads at all. Yeah. I worry for those drivers who think they're all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, uh, think their vehicle can stop quickly. It's four-wheel drive, not four-wheel stop. I remember hearing <laughs> Chris Lofgren talk about that. Yep. Uh, and then one more from Ben, who brings up a good point. He says... Uh, good Lord, I'm in a Toyota Camry and I'm doing fine. People are so dramatic about the streets. Just give yourself some extra stopping time. Slow down. Everything will be okay. I promise. And as I responded to him, my thing is, I trust me. I know yeah. I will be fine. I don't trust everyone else. Yeah. And, and and that's my thing. I know if I'm coming up to a stop, all right, I'm good. I'm going to flip it into neutral. We're going to get stopped here. I am concerned about eight other cars around Well, me. I mean, how many times, if you were driving around Lincoln over the last two days, did you see an accident site where somebody mm-hmm. where somebody wasn't able to do it? I agree with him. Like, I personally haven't had any problems if I'm thoughtful about it, but that's just not how everyone is. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's it's hard to gauge just how slick it is sometimes. And I've, I've had those, too. So, um Get that. I'm tired of the white streets. I'm so tired of the white streets. <laughs> uh, and and so 21 Wednesday. By the way, 21 Wednesday probably is not going to be enough to melt. I mean, you're keeping the residential white streets all the way through the weekend. Maybe, maybe by Sunday. Sunday, sunny and 28. Monday, cloudy and a high of 35. Maybe you start to melt that stuff then mm-hmm. on, the, on those streets. And so hopefully midweek, next week, the white streets are knock on wood hopefully completely gone but it's another 
It's another week of those. <laughs> Still, the white streets. Yep. Yuck. All right, moving on. Number three. In a new Nebraska Examiner story from Paul Hamill, a pair of feasibility studies should be completed by the summer, helping state lawmakers with the fate of the proposed $1 billion, 4,000-acre recreation lake between Omaha and Lincoln. Nebraska Department of Natural Resources Director Tom Riley briefed members of the legislature's special statewide tourism and recreational water access and resource sustainability Star Wars last week. So I I guess this is in part. Remember they 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 signed that contract with the fund the fundraisers from Omaha to sort of assess the interest among donors. I'm going to guess a big chunk of this, Caleb, is just figuring out whether or not there's enough uh, people with big dough out there to pump some private money into that thing. Yeah. So so um, mon- money is one of the studies. Okay. And that's one of them. The other one that's in there is going to determine whether building that huge sandpit lake would harm the drinking water well fields operated along the Platte in the Gretna Ashland area because those well fields provide water to Omaha and Lincoln. All right. And, right. say, and so as, as they go through those studies, and then if you give it the go-ahead, you have to run more studies on what is the rest of the environmental impact. Yeah. Um, w- will be fascinating. They, they say uh, even... Uh, former state senator Hilger is now attorney general. He was at at the meeting. Uh, he said the exact site of the big lake hasn't been determined, according to the examiner. Although, like every drawing that we've seen so far, like it's all in a is, specific is place. all been in that same spot uh, by Lenoma Beach. Big big floodplains got some sand pit operations there out there by the by the outlet malls. Yeah, kind of, which is why we called it Dragon Lake. <laughs> uh, um, we will we will see, but. I mean, look, if you're going to fund it 90% privately, pass the environmental tests and those sorts of things, I mean, hey, the economic impact of that thing would be massive. Well, because then you talk, okay, what do you need to do uh, for that land? Is there eminent domain that needs right, to come into it? What yep. what happens with all of that sand? They say that as part of the, their discussions, that could potentially get sold. And then that money could go right back into it. Right. So we'll, we'll see. But... You know, I don't know enough about the science of building projects like that in floodplains and and the environmental impact of of all of those things. We're but a few months out, according in, to this story on in those principle, studies. I mean, in principle, I'm still cautiously interested. Yes, I would say. And just let me know because I'm gonna need to buy a jet ski. If, uh... <laughs> Number two, uh, we learned Monday that Nebraska football is set to hold its second annual dunk contest ahead of Saturday's men's basketball game against Northwestern. Now, Heinrich Harburg is the defending champion. Jack, who are you taking uh, to to win the second edition here ahead of the game uh, Saturday? So, I did, was there a, an official first uh, first option and, and winner? Yeah, uh, Har- Harburg won last year. Um, That's what I'm finding on the interwebs. Okay, I would think maybe like uh, I'm I'm trying to think who else who like some of the taller players that are on the team uh, that that are out there. Like, uh, well, y- y- you know. You've got uh, you got Thomas Fedoni who's six six. Mm-hmm. He might, I don't know you know what kind of what kind of hops that he's got there. You could have someone someone like that. Maybe he would be an option look, on this whole thing. You got to look at a couple of those. But obviously, besides Harburg, this is the defending champion. You got to look at those freshman wideouts from this past year. Yeah, I mean Malachi Coleman, Jalen Lloyd. Yeah, I've seen Malachi dunk a lot. He could have he could have a shot in that. Played mm-hmm. played a little basketball back in his day that I that I watched as well. 
It'll be fun. So that's actually happening at the game, though. Yep. So that'll be there. Tip is set for one fifteen, and it's alumni day. So Danny Knee, the ninety three ninety four team, going to be there, and about two hundred or over two hundred alumni, according to, uh, to Coach Fred Hoiberg, awesome. going to be in attendance. But thirty minutes prior to tip, twelve forty five is when they are expecting to do this dunk contest. So don't be a late arriving crowd it's if you want to see some day. of this. Get it's there early. They need to get a win Wednesday and really get that place a little momentum going for that place on on Saturday because that'll be a really fun day at PBA. Number one. Uh, the oldest Doug ever title is under investigation. As what? a matter of fact, Bobby, or is it Bobby? B-O-B-I, I don't uh, know. Has had the title suspended amid an investigation. Yeah, so he passed away in October, okay. but, but he was, uh, according, uh, according to the records, he was 31 years old. I'm questioning that. He was 31 years old. His owner said he got him in 1992 when he was eight years old. And wow. he's had him since then at that point. But it has been challenged. Um, and uh, they have been, the, the Guinness people have said that they are triggering a formal review that occurs when a record title is challenged and involves analyzing existing evidence, seeking new evidence, reaching out to experts, and those linked to the original applications. Uh, come on, this guy's dog already passed away. Like, this is the in thing October, we're going to This is focused? the thing he had, come and they on. might take him away from it. Let him be the oldest dog. Let him let him remain a very good boy. Because he broke the record of a dog that had been that was born in 1910, an Australian cattle dog named Bluey, uh, who was uh, 29 years and five months old. This this dog was also a uh, cattle dog um, as well. So yeah, give us the modern record. Let okay. Bobby have it. Apparently, those uh, those are long, have a lot of longevity as dogs. I don't oh, know. He's a, he is a Raffiero do Antejo. It's a breed of livestock guardian dog. Okay. Evidently. A purebred. All right, there you go. It's 7.57. That's it for your morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLI. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. 810, 11 below zero in the capital city. Wind chill. Let's get a check on the wind chill. It's been a little while since I've... Uh, Updated that actually, actually on the National Weather Service webpage, since the wind is only down at three miles an hour. Uh, oh, there it is. It's at uh, 22, 22 wind chill right now. So it actually it, it didn't quite end up being as bad as they thought it was going to be wind chill wise 
today. Thought maybe you'd be still looking, not great. Thought you'd be looking more like thirty <laughs> below because the wind would be a little stronger. But at the moment, at least at the airport, it is uh, southwest at three miles an hour. Uh, southwest, really? Huh? Sounds uh, like they could have had school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but anyway. Again, today today we might get double digits. Wednesday, we might get over 20. And by Monday, we might be over freezing. So all exciting things to look forward to. Uh, Jason Ball, hello. Good morning. And how are you doing I'm, today? I'm, I'm sweating. It's so hot out oh, right now. Oh, boy. This is... Wow. Uh, yeah, this is this is uh, fun stuff going on right here. It is... We were just talking about this. It's like, I don't know what your situation is, but it's now like... Full month, basically, where a lot of families have been, feel like they they were about to get back to routine after Christmas was over, and then after New Year's was over, and then after everything was over. It's been a full month of just, like, skewed routine Mm -hmm. for families and people going to their place of work and everything. Maybe next Monday we get a full five-day workweek routine. That we can get back in. We can dare to dream, Jack. Yes. We can dare to dream. I'm, but I'm needing that. It's affected our team and our family just like everybody else. And, yeah. and uh, I just keep reminding everybody, let's let's have a little grace uh, for, for everybody when the weather's like this because uh, everybody's just trying to make the best decision they can, get to work as safely and as soon as they can, and uh, take your time out there, everybody. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, Teaming up with Topeka to go to Boise, essentially. Yeah. This is what this, uh, what this is. So you are, I think we touched on this a, a while ago, and I think the plans have, have, uh, is coming closer to fruition and the plans have been ongoing about this. But, uh, Lincoln Chamber is, is basically partnering with Topeka and, and together you're visiting Boise, Idaho. Tell me about sort of the genesis of this idea. Yeah. So the genesis goes back to, I'm, I'm friends with my colleague in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, Matt Pavarnik is their, their chamber executive and CEO out there. He and I are on a couple of uh, groups through the U.S. Chamber together. And uh, as soon as um, we knew I was going to come back into this job here, he and I really started kicking around what a, a you know trade delegation type of thing, you know, send a group of Lincoln folks to Topeka, send a group of Topeka folks to Lincoln, trade delegation type of thing would, would look like. And the more we talked, the more we thought, you know what, that's just too simple. We got to go bigger. We want to do something. Um, and we cannot find in the history of chambers uh, where two communities of our size in different states and also capital cities went to another city in a, in really? a third state together. And the, the thought is, and these are called inner, inner city visits in the parlance of, of chamber world. And so they're, they're very, very common. Uh, you'll find some chambers that do them every year. Topeka, I believe, does one every other year. Uh, Lincoln, we haven't had quite as strong of a... Um, cadence in doing this type of thing and so i'm something i've come in wanting to do more of um but we can't find where two communities of of our size have have done this before Hmm. so we're really really excited about the learning that takes place when you travel with another community and and mix with people you're traveling with you learn from them when you're in another destination we're going to learn from that community too what um okay first of all why why boise idaho exactly yeah so we we looked at uh gosh i think seven or eight metros in in the u.s and arrived at boise predominantly because when you when you get out to boise and i know some people may be surprised by that i wasn't i will tell you not knowing boise like i do I've never now, been there i wasn't terribly crazy about the idea it was not my first choice in that group of seven or eight that we were looking at um but 
they, like Topeka, I think like Lincoln, are in a situation where they had to define their own story. So if you go back two decades, Boise was very concerned because of how geographically isolated it was from other major metro cities. Um, you know, things like air service were a challenge for them. Uh, things like perception in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. Idaho as a state has, has some real concerns about its perception. And I think both Kansas and Nebraska struggle with, with things like that. Uh, when you're talking to business leaders in other areas, that may not be familiar with our states. When you look at what's happened in Boise, they have seen a huge influx of business investment, of people and workforce and talent coming in. They've leveraged their university system in different ways. Mm-hmm. For Topeka, they have a riverfront, and, and they're looking to learn how they can intentionally develop a riverfront uh, in many ways. And, and then we're obviously having conversations in Lincoln about uh, public amenities, parks, uh, libraries coming up. Um, we want to know how that community has leveraged its philanthropic and business community to, you know, lead making investments like that. And they've had to be really intentional about it. So when you go there now, you look around and say, wow, this is really amazing. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to, you know, the mountains and the river, which obviously we're never going to have in the same way here, they really have a growing and thriving economy. And they have had to be intentional about how they created a place where that can happen. Interesting. 200, uh, 2020 census, 235, Hundred eighty-four people in the city. Uh, the metro, metro population is sev- five counties, seven hundred forty-nine thousand two hundred two. So, yeah. like city proper, probably comparable. MSA is probably a little bit bigger, right? Yes. Than what we're doing. Yep. I mean, very def- much definitely so. bigger than than yep. it is here. But I don't know how widespread that actually is and, and what that looks like for them. So it's an interesting situation. Yeah. Uh, and, and Topeka in that in that range too, as well, size-wise? No, so Topeka is a little bit smaller than Lincoln okay. MSA-wise. I think they're closer to two... Oh, I'm sorry if anyone from Topeka is listening. Two, 250 <laughs> to, to 300, I think, is what they're, they're poking around yeah. at. Right? Uh, t- Topeka, Kansas is uh, population, according to the uh, 2020... Uh, uh, the population of the city was 126,000. Yep. The MSA was 233,000. Oh, that was a little on the high side, um, I guess. So yep. It's, yep. that's, uh, that, that's as well. So, uh, yeah, you look, you look at the picture, boy, they got those nice mountains in the background. Very nice. Yeah. But, <laughs> get, All can, we have can, to do is can, build mountains here. Can, all you got to do and is, a unidirectional golf course. Is build, yes, build, build mountains as well. It is interesting, though, to, it is interesting right away because you said Boise and I said why Boise because I don't perceive it you know in the way that, that Boise probably wants me to perceive it right exactly like exactly um yeah I don't know you know I don't know why exactly I think it's probably because I think of the state of Idaho this mm-hmm. is this is probably the cattle calling the pot black but I probably think of the Idaho is not that mo- that you know exciting of a state for the types of things that we're thinking about here. Let's face it, you think of potatoes, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. you think of potatoes. And I suppose there's something similar, not potatoes, but maybe corn or or farming or something that people yeah. think of when they think of Nebraska as well. So we might, we might not realize it being in the middle of it, but it's maybe a similar perception type situation. Absolutely. I, you know, I think just like uh, uh, Nebraskans can sometimes be frustrated that people in other, other states and aren't familiar with it will sort of make assumptions about... 
how we live or other parts of our economy that that say they don't expect things like the tech sector that we that we have growing here. Um, you know, I think Boise's had to deal with that kind of uh, again perception issue as well. But when you look at the past two decades of growth there, I think there is a whole lot that we can learn uh, in Lincoln. There, there's some other fun connections too. When we did our our strategic plan, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we worked with a company called Broad Ripple Strategies. Topeka is another Broad Ripple Strategies group. So so we have some commonality threads there. Um, the mayors of Topeka, Lincoln, and Boise have all been through the uh, Bloomberg-Harvard uh, program mm-hmm. uh, for mayors. And so they all actually are acquainted and know each other already. Interesting. So we're, we're very excited about that. When you, you, you said you wanted to get a more regular cadence of, of doing this going and it, it, something more regularly. So it's apparently something that you find useful, like... Like practice, I, I mean, I think it would be cool to go to these places and see, especially when you're talking about the stuff within your industry and seeing it. How how practically are you able to kind of turn around the stuff that you learn from this and apply it here when you when you get back from these sorts of things? Or what's the what's kind of the hope about it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I think hope number one for me is that relationship side. I think mm-hmm. there is you know when you put this many business uh, people and community leaders together uh, in one place, there are going to be some some business relationships that come out of it. Two, I hope there's just the the relational aspects across cities and people are are meeting and expanding their networks in these two cities. Um, Three, I do anticipate there's going to be a lot of ideas. I think when you come back from a trip like this, everybody's got a list of, wow, 10 things they'd love to see happen. Um, you know, in Lincoln that Boise or, or Topeka did. Mm-hmm. And I think those, those are sort of the magic moments where you get to come back and say, okay, how Boise did it, maybe we can't just cookie cutter replicate it here. How Topeka did it, maybe there's something to learn from, but we have to tweak these plans to do it and craft it in a way that's more meaningful, uh, for, for Lincoln specifically. Yeah. And yeah. so that, that's, that's the real home run is when we come out of this with ideas. And Matt, Matt's so good at, you know, explaining to people. He's, Topeka does one of these trips every other year. Mm-hmm. And he, he always tells people, look, every time, uh, uh, you know, these, these trips happen, people come back, they're excited. Uh, work continues uh, in Topeka and the community. And people will look back five and ten years later and say, boy, because we went to Boise or wherever, uh, these things happened in our community. And people will will wish they had been there uh, to be at the beginning of those efforts. And that's that's the wonderful thing. This trip is not just for chamber members. This trip is for, you know, obviously business people. It's for uh, elected gotcha. officials. Gotcha. Uh, we, okay. are, we are actively inviting them. It's, it's open to anyone that, uh, you know, thinks they want to come and learn and experience something like this. And you can find all the details for it on TopekaLincoln.com. So, okay, so this is a more extensive traveling party than just, uh, you know, the chamber groups going Yeah, this there. is not a small delegation. Topeka anticipates they're going to bring somewhere between 80 to 100 people. Oh, wow. From their community on it. Uh, all of their, uh, I think almost all of their city council, all of their county commission, their mayors planning on going on it. Uh, you know, we have invited uh, our mayor and, mm-hmm. and hopefully that will work out schedule wise. Uh, and we are, are in the process of inviting all of our uh, elected officials. We really hope people will plug into it. But again, it's for Joe Public. Uh, if, if you, Again, aren't even a member of the chamber, but you're really interested in, in learning about what's going on in other communities and how you can engage in Lincoln uh, with the business community. You know, come on this. And trip. so there'll be, you know, so to speak, programming going on throughout this whole thing where, you, where yeah. people can 
learn I get well, like what is that going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll kind of run broadly through the days and there's going to be more and more information available online as time goes on. But the the trip itself is going to take place between July 16 to 19. Mm-hmm. And the 16th and 19th are travel days. 16th you get there, 19th we all go home. So on the 17th and 18th, the first half of the day is combined sessions. So all these people from all these communities and folks from boys you're going to be uh talking to us. We're going to try to try to have the governor of Idaho come speak. We're going to try to have uh, the Boise mayor come talk. We may be able to put together, if we can get in on everybody's schedule, I'm really hoping we can get a panel of three mayors. It would be so great. That'd be cool. Um, and, and some messages from all of the business communities that are on that trip. And then the afternoons are going to be uh, uh, particular um, tracks where you're out in the community. So there's going to be a downtown development track one day. There's going to be a community amenities uh, track. There's going to be a philanthropy track. There's going to be an economic development track. And we are looking at things like how do they solve housing issues? Right, something that people talk about here. How are they managing housing costs? How are they uh, funding uh, public infrastructure? Because you'll see in Boise, they put in a whole lot of new infrastructure. Mm-hmm. How has the economy uh, supported that? Right, and so th- there's going to be a lot to learn that are very relevant things that our community is dealing with, and by the way, the Topeka is dealing with. Yeah, it's it's an interesting relationship. Obviously, a symbiotic good one there, but um, you're also you you probably also think too. You know, every time. Every time you want something to come to Lincoln or you want something or you want people to move to Lincoln as opposed to similarly situated cities, you're also sort of competing against probably a, a group of cities that you've got in your mind, too. So it's yeah. I, I'm always curious about that relationship. It's kind of fascinating. Well, I, you know, the fun thing about uh, chamber and economic development world for the, the practitioners like us that are in it, like we we have a uh, an abundance mindset when it comes to that and and the the wonderful thing about the free market economy and all the things that we enjoy in America is there is always more opportunity right, right. and so it's kind of one of those things where we all want to help each other succeed and you know sharing the ideas that work the good things that are that are being done that authentically help not only economies grow but our why in this industry is helping families and individuals get ahead and have a better quality of life and more economic opportunity for themselves and their families. That's what we're all about. And so that's that's why we're able to, to do these types of things. I would recommend if this works, maybe next January, check out like the Scottsdale Chamber maybe and we do something that Miami, I don't know. you know, Hon- Honolulu Chamber, we're coming Honolulu for you Chamber. next winter. Exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think there's some really good things going on in those towns that I personally would like to have some, maybe some breakout sessions on. Yeah. So. We're working on it, Jack. That, we're working good. on I'd it. Appreciate that uh sounds cool interesting looking forward especially looking forward after you get back and talk a little bit more about what what you saw there maybe hearing from some of the other people too so i'm so excited cool. about it Very thanks good. jack all right take 25 we'll take a break caleb's got to check a sports next 10 below zero in the capital city on klia pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Waking babies in the North Bottoms and then helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska Volleyball, John Baylor. Okay, 836 LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. It's the Jack Attack with John Baylor. The, on, the, uh, on the sub-zero temperature, wind chill, freezing over, kids aren't ever going back to school edition of the uh, segment. Good morning, JB. How are you doing today? Jack attack, a good test run for those considering a move to northern Minnesota. It's <laughs> good. I'm gonna. I was. I was thinking about moving the family up to International Falls, and I think this is the last. This is probably going to take that out of my mind. Now it sounded great. Of, otherwise, I think a lot of spouses uh, considering that move right now might be uh, punching the brakes on that just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, beautiful in August. You know, uh, it's a it's a great place then, but you pay for it. That's a problem. Bring your mosquito spray. Right, right. Uh, great fishing though. Great fishing. That's uh, that's important as well. Uh, are you concerned that the uh, that the uh, students that you're working with for uh, ACT prep over the next over the coming months as we're getting ready for spring ACTs uh, haven't been to school for so long? You're going to have to do a little catch up work with them this year. Yeah, the learning loss is becoming a bit of a learning canyon. But uh, they, you, you can learn virtually, and these kids uh, hopefully are focused. And it's just a, it's a, it, it, they have this deficit. Uh, but you know what? You you can with some self initiative get caught up. It's called reading books. It's called you know making sure you stay ahead of what's going on in classes and doing the best you doggone can this spring if you're a junior on the ACT and. You're going to really distinguish yourself because you're right, Jack. A lot of kids have fallen behind, and we're seeing a little bit more self-drive than I saw during the pandemic, but it's not like it used to be. So kids who are just showing good old-fashioned conventional effort right now can really distinguish themselves and win scholarships and get ahead. Well, and and – you know, to their credit, uh, out, of the, out of the last, I've got the numbers actually in front of me. The last six years, we've had uh, half of them have had at least four snow days. So not totally unprecedented uh, for something like this to happen. So just, you just we just can't have any more in February is, is the thing. Yeah, it just feels like a snow semester right now. Yeah, basically. Basically. All right. We have got uh, we got more Nebraska volleyball news this week. My goodness, JB, the, the news never stops roster-wise with Nebraska volleyball. I keep thinking maybe... Maybe we kind of we kind of got set with the roster. We kind of know what's going to happen, and then another domino falls, and then another domino is added. Nebraska adds a middle blocker from San Diego. Your thoughts? Well, uh, that was required. The Huskers only had two middles. We talked about this last week. Got to add one more player, and now we've done it. So Nebraska uh, lost four transfers. You throw in Whitney Lonstein, five transfers, and now have added four new players, two transfers, Taylor Landfair and Layla Blackwell, and now two great freshmen coming in. Olivia Mox, your Gatorade, uh, Nebraska Volleyball Player of the Year, the great Bennington back row player. So four for four, effectively. A bit of a new look, but uh, I mean, this starting lineup is going to look great. Anyway, the thoughts are, A, it's remarkable Nebraska can persuade a graduate senior who's a three-time all-conference player, got to a Final Four last year, two years ago, to come 
to the play for the Huskers for her final year and have to compete for playing time rather than just be guaranteed a starting spot, which would have been the case at school after school after school. So it just shows you the, the magnet that is Nebraska volleyball. I mean, Layla Blackwell, I thought we'd get somebody who'd be solid, good good person to come off the bench. You know, she's going to be competing with Andy Jackson. Really? Back up for playing time. Oh, she's three-time really? all-conference. She All went right. to a Final Four two years ago. I mean, she's the real deal. So here we go again, real competition. That's good to see. I mean, that's good to see because I didn't, I didn't know exactly what you were, what you were getting there, just because I haven't followed, uh, followed her career all that closely. But uh, yeah, so now you got, you got three legit middle blockers. Yeah. Does it? And, and so that should be. I mean, barring anything unexpected, now that should kind of put a bow on what the roster is going to look like at least going into the spring, right? That did put the bow on it. Close the door. I mean, class has got to start at some point. <laughs> it's another week plus. In the middle yeah, yeah. We got. We still got another week until classes start. So we still got six days. Portals swinging wildly, but you know, after a bad practice, you can't like transfer. Yeah. And then uh, boom. Uh, you know, after a week there, I'm not so sure. I'll head somewhere else. It's not quite that fluid, but yeah, this is it for the coming fall. And and you've got a great senior class with Merritt and Lexi and and Lindsay. I mean, this. All the poker chips are on the table. As I, I, I don't know how completely closely you've, you've seen exactly what all the other schools are doing outside of some Nebraska players that have gone to some of them, but how much is there been kind of a, a significant change in the balance of power just based on the transfers that have come into places like Penn State and, and Texas? And I, I don't know if I've heard much from Wisconsin, but uh, anything sort of shape changing how you're looking at the very top of the, the rankings in 2024 based on what you've seen the last couple of weeks? Well, Penn State has two former Huskers, and every year, at least since Russ Rose left, they've been a collection of all-stars from other programs, and they needed to do that because the, the, the cupboard wasn't all that full when, when Russ left. And then Texas is reinforced, not that they really needed to, and they got some great freshmen, including one former Husker recruit who ended up there. So, uh, yeah, the rich are getting richer. It, it just shows you that, uh, in, in such a short period of time, everything's changed. In the old days, you can keep an eye on recruiting and, you know, what ninth graders have verbally committed to what programs. That stuff is barely relevant now. I mean, it's relevant, but it's barely relevant. It's, I mean, it, you're going to see, in my opinion, and already what's being accused is that uh, coaches are telling uh, their players and they're, t- and they're contacting club coaches and basically sending messages to uh, all star, you know, solid all-conference type players all over the country that we could use you. I don't think it's going to be even that uh, hidden or discreet in the future. I think in the future, you're going to have coaches who put the word out, like on, on social media, hey, we're looking for an outside hitter. Hey, we're looking for a middle. You know, contact us. I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's going to be shopping uh, almost. But I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's different. Well, I don't know if you saw it. It was maybe a couple of weeks ago now, but Creighton's coach Kirsten Bernthal Booth she put out a she put out a tweet that was kind of scathing, yeah. critiquing the, the basically tampering that she thought was yeah. going on within the and then and then a lot of coaches were joining with her and saying, "Yeah, this, this, this." Although nobody's ever naming names on anything. Yeah, look, I mean, volleyball is on the precipice of becoming a for-profit sport. It already is at one school we know of, and a few others are close. And and other and so the stakes are higher. Coaches are making more money, and and uh, the pressure to win quickly is there. And and especially now at the portal, NIL, you don't have to wait until that 
you know, 14-year-old becomes a 21-year-old for her to be an elite player. So you're supposed to turn these things around in a hurry, and and these things are happening, and they've been happening in for-profit sports for a, a long, long time. And here we go in, in volleyball where, you know, Kirsten Bernthal Booth, a great Creighton coach, former Lincoln East Spartan. Yes, I was going to mention that, yes. Father, fabulous professor at the University um, of Nebraska. Uh, she said, look, this is what's happening. We've got these players who know these other uh, former high school teammates on select teams, on, on uh, U.S. national teams uh, from high school, uh, from friends, cousins of friends, whatever, and they're being told by their coaches, reach out to your former high school chum and say, hey, uh, we're interested. Or, you know, their club coaches are being contacted and saying, hey, uh, reach out. I mean, I'll just give you an example. Like uh, Texas San Antonio, uh, no, Texas State. Two years ago, we played Texas State. They have a fabulous libero. Fabulous. And, of course, the next year, she's not playing for Texas State. She's playing for the University of Texas. She was, mm-hmm. you know, a back row player for him on the national championship team this past uh, year. And the, the moment, you know, a player emerges as kind of a, a late bloomer and suddenly at age 20 is a much better player than ever, and than anyone ever projected when she was 16 or 17, she's going to get plucked. And, and uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just – there's very few things that are all good or all bad. I'm just saying that's the future – it's certainly the present, and I don't see anything change. But it's yeah, it's basically that you can use these third parties, like you were alluding to, to club coaches, maybe high school coaches, yeah. t- other players on the team. I'm sure as well. Uh, peer they, recruiting, it's happening a lot. They all keep in touch. Remember in the old days, you want to keep in touch with your high school buds after you go to college. You got to pick up the old phone, <laughs> and you know you're 20. You got to pick up the phone going, "Hey, Billy, you know you guys having a rager this week? You don't do that a whole lot. You kind of you only just catch up over Christmas, basically. Now. This whole like internet social media thing I'm learning about, they're all keeping in touch. They're all following. No, and they're doing a lot of posting. Like, hey, here's here's me, you know, having this great thing happen to me, and lo, check out this dinner I just had. And anyway, they're all uh, easily connecting and then keeping up, and and those are the channels being used. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm with with some of these. I'm I'm very sure that that played a significant role, kind of the peer to peer recruiting that that's gone on here. And and like you said, it's uh, you know not necessarily bad, but it's that's definitely there's no way you can really regulate or change that. There's nothing you can well, do about it. Coach, I mean, just if you're a coach, I mean, it's just so unpredictable. It's unstable. It's you know I, I've I've heard from an elite coach that you know he's like this is not what I signed up for. I mean I I didn't sign up to have to recruit my own players every doggone year and have my best player get plucked by another program. So I get to watch her, you know, you know, go to final fours and everything while my team struggles. And, you know, I, I was in touch with her when she was age 13 and, you know, here I get to watch her when she's 22, just, you know, be the player I always thought she would be. It's, yeah. it's frustrating. I mean, Terry Pettit has said, you know, he, he doesn't think he could handle it. Like, you know, you lose a top player to another program. It's going to be devastating and just so discouraging for a coach because to have recruited that player, you start. You got to make contact age thirteen, age fourteen. You got to you got to write a letter once every two weeks. You got to you got to get you got to get to know the uncle. You got to get to know the parents. You got to get to, you got to know you got to go to all those you know those doggone club tournaments in Sioux Falls and Kansas mm. City and Tampa and and then you get her for one or two years and she's like yeah. 
I'm getting a better offer somewhere else. Thanks, though. Yeah, wow, that's true. Uh, I noticed there is no yet uh, no beach schedule up on the Huskers uh, website on Huskers.com. Oh. Uh, I want to set. I don't. I want to make sure there aren't any weddings scheduled or anything when Oklahoma Ooh. Wesleyan comes in. Uh, ho- hopefully, we'll have that cleared up soon. And there's that Kansas college, that NAIA school that's got a big beach program. We played them a couple of years ago. And, Ottawa and University, it, yeah. It, that was a big one, home of the fighting. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. I don't know. They uh, have an arrowhead as their logo, so we'll yep, see. And it's pointed right to Lincoln. I mean, yep. we're we're on their wall every fall, but uh, every every winter. Uh, they're the Braves. Their target. <laughs> but, you know, the Huskers treat beach differently than almost any program. And Texas is now replicating what we're doing, but we use the same players indoor and then on the beach. So it gives us two extra months of preparation, teaches a lot of new skills, uses different muscles, builds chemistry. It's a lot of fun. Whereas when we go play a Pepperdine, they have, you, they have a different players. This is not the, the, the same group that plays indoors for Pepperdine. They're, they're specifically focused on getting to mobile. Alabama and getting to the championship and winning titles and winning conferences. So we'll go in and we'll have our indoor team and we just don't have the same kind of results on the beach as uh, we do indoors. And, you know, who knows if the fans one day are going to ask the coaching staff to treat beach a little bit differently, but it's just a lot to ask for the same players to play two different sports and be top five, top 10 uh, in both, what it would probably take for Nebraska to be competitive at beach volleyball is our different players. Yeah, yeah, and 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 maybe a nice actual 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 beach to play at for a home court. That, That'd be hold good on. too. That, that indoor beach <laughs> situation it down uh, down. I forget what they call it. that. That sand volleyball court downtown down on campus. I think yeah. is pretty sweet. But no. I'm hearing we we haven't heard from Allie yet. Right where she's no. standing up. I'm understanding in, uh, a big part of the equation is beach volleyball that she wants to do what Taryn Cloth did out of Creighton, transferred after her final year at Creighton uh, to LSU, and now she's one of the elite beach players in the world. And I can see Allie playing beach. In fact, I've seen, there, there were a lot of great players, Jen Salimua and others in Nebraska, were like, wow, she could be a really great beach player. And now what you do is you finish up year four, graduate in December, you transfer to another school, and uh, you play beach for yeah. that spring, and then I think you get one more year of beach thereafter, get a master's, and then you just launch into a, a pro career. So uh, I, I think that's what Sally wants to do, so we'll see. Yeah, that's why I thought maybe like a, a long beach or something might be where, where she would end up because sure. of that with the previous relationships. But we will uh, we will see on that. Hey, uh, I had to ask you, we were near each other in the uh, in the crowd last week at Les Mis uh, at the Lead Center. Your review of Les Mis. Awesome. I cannot see it enough. I was a puddle. Uh, you know, when 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 she starts singing, I dreamed a dream. I'm like, I just wanted to go up there and just give her the biggest hug. I'm like, it's gonna be okay, hang in. But it, oh my gosh, the music! I, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I saw it on Broadway with my dad sitting way back in the yeah. in the you know, third to last row, and it just it's the music. It's timeless. It's what we're year 33 of Lame is, and that particular production, folks, remarkable. There wasn't a weak link in the whole cast. Dude, I mean, it was so those good. were. Fabulous voices, and I know you were in pain because that was the night of the Purdue game. And I was in pain because I was planning on going to a bunch of more, uh, like seeing the show again last week. And I just never was able to work it out. But you know, you know Sheila Griffin and the others who, thirty five years ago, planned the Lead Center, yeah. have really added a remarkable asset to this city, I and agree. it just shows. 
that if you plan something now, you can leave a legacy. And Sheila Griffin and those who helped you make the Lead Center happen, thank you. Yeah, well, without a doubt. And I, I go to those, and I went to Hamilton twice this summer, too, uh, JB, and, and then uh, Les Mis. And uh, my my wife and my daughter actually went, what, two days after we went, too. So they did do the – she did do the two-time thing that you wanted to do um, and and was completely and, – and she said it was great huh. both times as well. Just the, the effort at bringing that kind of a production in from city to city is mind-blowing. Yeah, and, and also – Hamilton, I went three times, and you just show up 30 minutes for curtain, and they got $39 seats. Mm-hmm. So that's what my plan was for Lame Is. It didn't, didn't work out, but boy, Javert. That, that dude, dude was like, he was like the Undertaker. He was great. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Javert, dial it down, buddy. Just dial it down just a hair. There are other interests out there, but the guy was single mindedly focused. He was great. We're always told, you know what? Got to be focused. Everyone's distracted, right? Everyone's like looking at screens. They're all distracted. They can't even pay attention during a conversation. Right now, you're looking at a screen. I'm not even sure you're even listening to what I'm saying right now. I, I'm, not, I'm listening. I'm listening. No, yeah, the the, the, the the Javert was was good because normally it's sort of like a clean cut man of the law. This dude looked like the Undertaker from the WWF. Uh, he was he was great. He, he, he was phenomenal. One of my favorites, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Good stuff. And they got some good, uh, they got like a Jesus Christ superstars coming here uh, later this year. They got some other some other stuff as well. So, Oh, that one song, Jesus Christ Superstar, I'll be a puddle. Yep, yep, good stuff. All right, JB, very good. Uh, appreciate appreciate your time. Hey, and, and by the way, we didn't even talk. Boy, we got the big changeover now in all the coaching world. No more Bill Belichick, no more Nick Saban. Uh, it's all changing. It's all changing for for us. Patriot fans. It's been a very tough four seasons after a very glorious two decades, but I can't believe they let him go. Shouldn't have happened, but amazing. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick together, close friends all those years. And they leave on the same day. And a big reason that Bill Belichick left Nick Saban's former player, Mac Jones. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's true. And but but Belichick doesn't sound like he's done. He may be uh he may be headed to Atlanta or Dallas or or somewhere else. Saban's done. You can only spend so much time in Nantucket. You've been on Nantucket in December, it's not a great place yeah, to be. That's true. So that's you gotta go get a job and so you only have to spend, you know, six to fifteen weeks in Nantucket. All right. Good to talk to you, JB. Appreciate it. We'll check in next week. Have a good one. I'm not sure anyone listening understood the Nantucket stuff, but it's a pretty strange <laughs> place he has us as a second home. But yeah, I hope no, he keeps coaching and gets 14 more wins. All right, Jack. It's See happy. ya. There you go. John Baylor. David Four, we'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Wrapping up the show for this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, so we're going to wrap the show, at least at the airport, Eight below zero, 22 below windshield. Okay, uh, here's here's the good news. At about oh about lunchtime today, we should cross cross over the threshold back once again into above zero temperatures. Although I think we dabbled with that yesterday mm-hmm. a little bit, but there's an outside shot, kids. That uh, by late afternoon, uh, just before dinner time. We may see double digits today. You could have, there is a scenario out there where you've got 10 degrees at 4 p.m. today with a wind chill topping out at only six below. Uh, so that's exciting. 
And then tomorrow, get ready, Lincoln. Get ready for tomorrow. Very low winds. Uh, sun in the morning, uh, clouding up later in the day, but sun in the morning and at midday. Temperatures looking like we're going to get 20, maybe 21 degrees with almost no wind. Do you know what that's going to feel like at at about 1 in the afternoon tomorrow <laughs> if the sun is still out, if it is 21 degrees, and if there is 4-mile-an-hour no wind. yeah. winds? That's a cargo shorts advisory, ladies and gentlemen. That is definitely a cargo shorts advisory. Advisory here for for that situation, and and don't even get me started on next week when it could be thirty seven. When we're all just in t shirts. <laughs> Listen, that is one of the payoffs. One of the payoffs for this kind of a stretch of cold weather that we go through uh, every few years is you become unbelievably tough when it comes to all of a sudden a high of twenty five sounds amazing, a high of thirty eight. Sounds like maybe have the neighbors over for a barbecue. Open up the pools. Open up, yes. Open up, open up Star City Shores. Get are those, I don't know if those Christmas lights are down yet. Get those things down. <laughs> Get the kids of the water slide right after school. They'll be going back to school, so uh, we're going to need to get some, some recreational activities. That is that is the payoff for this whole thing, and it is coming, folks. It is coming. It is coming. All we, right. We are yeah. a minute from 9 o'clock, so we're just going to go ahead and make an announcement right here. Yes, Willie Nelson and family, Pinewood Bowl Theater, Wednesday, May 15th. Tickets on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. on Ticketmaster. You can also use the code FROGGY to unlock pre-sale Thursday at 10 a.m. Go to KLIN for more info. I saw Willie last time he came to Pinewood Bowl. You can also register to win tickets at KLIN.com. All right, check it out. Uh, Spoiler alert, he's going to open with Whiskey River. (laughs) Sorry. Hope you still want to Whoa, go to the concert. Set list. Whoa, but, yeah, I've already had a, I've already had a glance at Willie's set list, and I I can tell you that right off the bat, a little insider information <laughs> for you there. All right, tomorrow on the show, what chaps your hide Wednesday? You can text in ASAP twenty four seven. The things that are chapping your hide. I think we're gonna have a lot, have a lot of weather, school, and roads related ones. Caleb, if I had to predict, absolutely. Uh, you can also get on the Facebook page later today, facebook.com slash LNK today. I'll post a post up there that you can respond to. And we'll also have uh, John Bishop joining us as well. We'll see you then, 9 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln.